So God, we love you so much, and we thank you that we're reminded today on this Easter Sunday that you are for us, that you are with us, that you have never forsaken us, and you never will. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, what this weekend represents, that there is victory in Jesus' name. So we declare that over our situation. We declare that over our families. We declare that over our nation and over the world today, that victory is found in Jesus' name. We love you. We worship you today. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. Well, welcome to Easter at Action Church. We are so honored that you chose to join us this weekend for this special service from our living room to your living room today. We're talking about this concept of how to live through a bad day. As we go into this Easter weekend, we start by celebrating Good Friday, but it was only good for us. It was a really bad day for our Lord and Savior Jesus, and he modeled some things on his worst day that will help us get through our bad days. You know, what I found in my life is that bad days bring out a lot of questions. Why is this happening? What is going on? And a lot of times our bad days leave us questioning, leave us asking, huh? So I want to have a little bit of fun today here in our living room and your living room as well. Just some questions that make you go, huh? Here's five or six of them. Why do banks charge you a non-sufficient funds fee on the money they know you already don't have. <laughs> like, I'm out of money. Well, you're, you're penalizing me for being broke. How do, this is really good, how do the do not walk on the grass signs get there? <laughs> Somebody broke the rules to put them out there. If the world is a stage, where is the audience sitting? And I want to ask you where you're sitting today. Is it appropriate? If not, get somewhere appropriate. I know we're doing church online, church on TV, but put some clothes on. Where is the audience sitting? Here's another good one. Things that make you go, huh? How does the thermos know if the drink should be hot or cold? Because it, you get it? Why does your nose run and your feet smell? And here's my favorite one. Why is it when you're driving, maybe you've been here before with your husband or your wife and you're looking for the address, you're looking for the house number. Why do you always turn the radio down when you're looking for the address? I have no idea. You turn it down like, like the, your hearing is going to affect your seeing. In our bad days... We're left with these questions. We just can't quite find the answer. And in a season where we're looking for a cure for a pandemic and our relationships, our finances, where we're looking for all of these cures and all of these things to put together, I'm here to tell you today that I don't have a cure for your situation, but I do have an answer. And his name is Jesus. That I may not be able to help you escape your situation, but I can help you have peace and strength and power in the middle of it. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus makes a promise, and it's not a great promise. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Another translation says, take courage. I have overcome the world. That Jesus went through his worst day on Good Friday to to show us what it could look like, to model it for us. Write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus went through his worst day, so we never have to go through our worst day alone. Let me say it like this. Jesus went through his worst day to help us overcome our bad days. If you're new to this, this church thing, Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. Perfectly God, yet made himself human, lived 30 years 
And in the last three years of his life, he did some of the most amazing ministry ever to be done, healing people, raising the dead, preaching, and thousands following him, baptizing, so much ministry, yet he was condemned to die for no mistake of his own. There were some people that rose up against him, and, and he died after he was tortured and beaten and betrayed on Good Friday. He died for you and for me, living a perfect life, but dying in our place. But before we get the victory of Resurrection Sunday, what we're celebrating today, he went through a painful journey. And what I found, I don't know if you found this in your life, oftentimes pain precedes the victory. That before there's a resurrection, there has to be a sacrifice. Before there's a comeback, there has to be a setback. Oftentimes, pain precedes it. That's why I love what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we are afflicted in every way. We're in pain, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but catch this, we are not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And if you're not familiar with the story, you'll, you'll think that Jesus doesn't know how you and I feel. No, that's one of the beautiful things of the gospel is that Jesus felt every human emotion that we have ever felt. He felt betrayal, abuse. He felt neglect. He, he felt pain, everything that you and I have felt. And we find him on the cross on this Friday of, of Easter weekend, and he asked this question. We can learn so much from this statement of Jesus on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why? Jesus asked why. Yeah. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But pastor, I thought we just read that God will never forsake you. Well, he doesn't. What's happening here is that God is, is demonstrating something that a holy God cannot, cannot be united with, with unholy people. A holy God cannot be united or in the presence of sin. So when Jesus feels the separation from God the Father, it's because at that moment Jesus had taken on my sin and my shame and my mistakes and yours as well. So get this, God didn't forsake Jesus. His presence left Jesus in that moment because he took on your mistakes and my sin. A holy God cannot be joined with our sin. Jesus was separated from the Father in that moment so that you and I never have to be. He didn't forsake Jesus in that moment. Catch this. He foreshadowed his grace for you and for me. When he turned his back on Jesus, when Jesus took on our sins, just like he turns his back on your sin and my sin when we accept Jesus. Jesus asked why, and we may find ourselves today asking, God, why have you forsaken me? I'm here to tell you that he never has and he never will, but we will feel like that. If Jesus, the perfect son of God, felt that emotion, you and I will as well. You will feel forsaken. You will feel alone. So what do we do? When you feel forsaken, I, I want you to know these three things today on this Easter weekend. When you feel forsaken, know this, that God is there, that he's there with you. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, 
you are there. That means if I'm going through the best time ever or the worst time ever, God is right there with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Let me remind you today, if you feel alone, God is right there with you. If you feel abandoned, you're not. He's right there with you. If you are full of sorrow and anxiety and depression, God is right there and he will meet you at your time of need. Here's the second thing. When you feel forsaken, know that God knows best. God knows best. Hebrews 11 says, They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. These are the people that died for their faith, that went through crisis, that went through chaos, and they did not get the, the answer to the prayer that they thought they deserved or that they were looking for. It says they, they didn't get what had been promised. Why? Because God had planned something better. What if God is doing something bigger than just your specific situation? What if God's plan is bigger? In fact, it says that in Isaiah 55. It says, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. This is God talking, saying his plan is not always what we would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than yours. When you don't have the answer, when you don't have the cure, remind yourself that God knows better than you. He is there. He knows best. And here's the third thing. When you feel forsaken, know that God cares. That he cares. James 5 reminds us, you've heard, of course, of Job's staying power. We don't have time for that today, but Job went through some of the worst situations in all of history. And you know that God brought it all together for him at the end. Hey, maybe you're at the beginning of something. Maybe you're in the middle of something. I just want you to know that God will bring it together yeah. in the end. That's because, why does he bring it together in the end? Catch this, that's because God cares. He cares right down to the last detail, that he loves you. You may feel forsaken, but I need to remind somebody today that God will never forsake you. Yeah. On our bad days, we got we to gotta remind ourselves of some things. Maybe this is a revelation for you today, but for a lot of us, it's just a reminder that God didn't forsake you. God forgave you. Right. In fact, if you're taking notes, write that down. God didn't forsake you. God forgave you. John chapter 3, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it, but to save the world through him. A couple of pushbacks that you may have today is, God can't forgive me. Like, I, I get that you're a pastor and you're leading a church and you're surrounded by Christians, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've hurt. You don't know the life that I have lived. And I'm just here to tell you today, there is nothing that you could ever do that would separate you from God's love. Yeah. That God can't forgive you. No, he can, he did, and he will. He did not send his one and only son to die for you and for me, for you to say that I'm too bad. There is no such thing. His grace covers it all. You say, I'm not worth it. You're worth everything to your heavenly father. He gave his one and only son for you. He can forgive you. But there's another pushback that I find a lot of times in this world, it's not that God can't forgive me. It's people say, I don't need forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I'm a good person. And I know that I'm just a, a kind of a normal guy from Alabama. We don't have the best language, but, but you ain't. Right. <laughs> like, you ain't good. 
That's terrible grammar, but great preaching. You're not good enough to inherit eternal life. You know, I used to watch uh, uh, this guy on TV, and he asked this question, and, and it's kind of old school evangelism, but you ask somebody, are you good? And they'll say yes. Most people say yes. But then you begin to walk through their life, and you realize that they're not. Like, in fact, you have, you have made mistakes. In fact, I would say to all of you, including the pastors in this room and everybody watching online today, that you're not a good person, that you're actually a murderer, a liar, and a thief. And you're like, whoa, whoa, dude, you don't, you don't know me. Don't turn off the channel right now. I'm just telling you, you're a murderer, a liar, and a thief. The Bible says in the New Testament, Jesus says that we murder people if we hate them in our heart. And I don't know about you, but I've hated a few people just this week. The person who took that last thing of toilet paper. The person who keep posting on Facebook all Come negative, yeah. cutting me off in traffic. I've murdered at least 17 people this week in my heart. Like, I'm a murderer in need of God's grace. You say, Pastor, okay, I got that, but I, I've never lied. Come on, husbands. When she asks you what that outfit looks like, and you say, great, you and I both know it was average. It was average. When she cooks that meal and you said, this is the best meal I've ever had, you're a liar. You are a liar and you are in need of God's grace. So I got you. You're a murderer and a liar. You say, Pastor, I've never stole anything. Where are you going to get me here? You have. I know you have. I see you every time I'm at Panera or Chipotle, well, pre-social distancing guidelines. You know you all have because you've everybody has gotten a water cup and gone and filled it with some Sprite. I know it's clear. I know nobody knows, but water doesn't bubble. And you are a murdering, lying thief in need of God's grace. The truth is, we're having some fun today, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have to acknowledge that we are sinners if we are going to acknowledge our need for a Savior. God didn't forsake you. He forgave you. And the great news is he forgave you in advance. Like he knew what you were going to do. He knew that you were going to fall short, and he said, I choose you, I forgive you, and I'm sending my one and only son for you. God didn't forsake you, God forgave you. Here's the second thing that we need to remember on our bad days is God didn't forsake you, God fought for you. God didn't forsake you, God fought for you. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. You got to get this today. His new life gives you and me a second chance. He didn't forsake you. He fought for you. My question is, where, where are you fighting? Where are you struggling? Where are you surviving that God wants to give you victory? You just got to let Jesus fight for you. All throughout the Old Testament says God fought for them and God fought for them. And when they gave their situation up, God fought for them. Jesus wants to give you victory today, but you have to give him access to your situation. It reminds me, I don't know if any of you watched this growing up, but I was a huge Hulk Hogan fan. Like I was a huge WWF, WCW, come on, NWO, Hulkamania, Macho Man, Randy Savage, (laughs) Ric Flair. I am speaking to somebody today. You've been there. You've been to the arenas. I loved a good tag team match because it'd be four guys, a lot of drama, but this is, I don't know if you know this, wrestling is not real. I know that they really get hurt, but I mean, it's kind of its kind of scripted. If not, sorry. If not, 
If not, this happened every single match, and it's just a crazy coincidence. The, the tag team partner would be getting beat down, and this partner gets distracted, and he's off to, off to the side, and he's just getting beat down and beat down. He's getting double teamed, triple teamed. Somebody comes out from the back, and that may be what your life feels like, that you're not just fighting one opponent, but you're fighting two or three, that the world is just overwhelming you, and you get to a point where this tag team partner, which would be you and me, we just can barely stand. And then the crowd starts clapping, everybody starts going, and then there's a guy, a tag team partner on the edge of the ropes. He's got one foot on the, the bottom rope, one foot on the second rope, and he is leaning over, just trying to tag in. And the guy is scrambling, and he's barely making it there, and that may be where you are today. Just scrambling, full of pain, full of hurt, full of regret, and you just feel like, I can't go on. I'm here to tell you, if you will just take one step towards your corner, if you will just make one more last move, one more last dive, I promise you that salvation is waiting. That the minute that you tag in Jesus to your situation, he did not go through everything he went through to leave you on your worst day. He is one decision. He is one surrender. He is one tag away from coming in and fighting and giving you victory in Jesus' name. That the grave is empty that death is no longer final, that if we will just reach out to Jesus, if we will just take one step, he will come into our situation, fight for us, and that victory will be yours in Jesus' name. God didn't forsake you. God fought for you. But the great news is he didn't just fight for you. He won the battle on your behalf. Invite him into your situation. Invite him into your marriage. Invite him into your struggle. Invite him into this chaos and this crisis. You are struggling because you're fighting alone. In this world, you will have trouble, but take courage. I, Jesus, has overcome the world. Give him your world today and watch him fight for you. The last thing as we close, God didn't forsake you. God didn't forsake you. God is for you. God is for you. Romans 8, 28, one of the greatest promises in Scripture. And we know that in all things, come on, right where you are, say that after me. Come on, say all things. All things. All things. We know that in all things, that means every situation, God works for, not against not leaving, not forsaking. God works for the good. But we can't stop there. God works all things for good. That's not the promise. God works all things for the good of those who love him. That means we have a responsibility that that he wants to come in, but we have to tag him in. We have to invite him in. We have to give him access to our whole life. He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So my question as we close this Easter message is, is God for you? Are you on God's team? He's the MVP. He's the best player. He wants to win the game. He wants to fight your battle. My question to you is, what jersey do you have on today? Like, has your life and your situations and your decisions, have they set you up to be on God's team so he's fighting for you? Or do you have on an opposing jersey? 
Because we see God separate himself from sin. God cannot begin to fight for you until you accept what Jesus did for you. Because if he sees you as you are, his presence cannot fight for you. But if he sees you based off of his son's sacrifice, and we use this exchange that's promised in scripture, we give up our sin, we give up our rights, we give up control, then Jesus comes into our life and now we are co-heirs with Jesus. We are sons and daughters. We are in the family or more specifically, clearly, we are on the same team as God. What jersey are you wearing today? I thought about that this week. Some of y'all are wearing the wrong colors and you need to take off that jersey of selfishness, of pride, of, of ambition, of, of me, and you need to put on God's jersey. But some of y'all are wearing the jersey, come on Christians, but you're missing the game. Like you got on the right jersey, you're on the right team, but it's been a while since you played. It's been a while since you attended church. It's been a while since you served someone. It's been a while since you gave faithfully. You, you, got, the jersey, you got the jersey in a closet somewhere collecting dust and today is going to be the day that you pull it back out you dust it off you say God I know that you gave everything for me I know that you forgave me I know that you fought for me I know that you're for me and so today I am re-upping today I am recommitting today I'm giving my life back to you who are you today are you the one that needs to take the jersey out of the wrapper and put it on for the very first time and join the team that God has for you are you the person that needs to go to that closet and get it out and recommit your life? I don't know which one you are, but I know that Jesus set a divine appointment for you and for me, for all of us today to gather on this Easter weekend so that we could encounter his presence, we could hear this gospel, his story, and that it could change our life and it could change our eternity. So I wanna give you that opportunity right now, right where you are. We're gonna do it right here in this room as well. Everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. I need you to know that Jesus lived for you. A perfect life. Why? Because we were imperfect. And there had to be a perfect sacrifice, a perfect substitute for you and for me. Then on Good Friday, this weekend that we're celebrating, he died a sinner's death. He lived for you, but catch this, he died as you, like in your place, like he took all the mistakes, he took all of the guilt. He took all of the shame. He took all of it. And what he gave us in exchange is forgiveness and mercy and grace and salvation. He exchanged our unrighteousness, our sin and shame for his righteousness, his holiness, and his perfection. And that's how God can see you and see me if we give our lives to Jesus Christ. What if you did that today? But the story didn't stop there. Say, Pastor, I'm accepting forgiveness. I'm accepting grace and salvation today. Great. But the story didn't stop on the cross. The cross paid the way for you to get to heaven. But Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He was buried and then he rose to a new life. And that is the good news of the gospel, that death no longer has finality over you and me, that the grave and that sin has lost its sting because Jesus overcame the grave. He not only overcame the grave, but he can overcome your situation today if you'll give it to him. So come on, right where you are, if you say, I want to receive Jesus today, I want to put on that jersey for the very first time. Or maybe you're like me. I grew up in church. 
I heard this message for about 19 Easter's. And then one day I said, I want to recommit my life. I'm taking that jersey out of the closet, dusting it off, and I'm recommitting my life today. So come on, right where you are. For the first time, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or for the first time in a long time, you say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, raise your hand as a sign of surrender. And then simply pray this out loud. Say, God, I love you. And I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place today. Jesus, have control of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.